0: Welcome to Hanksy Panksy Horror Hut, a podcast within a podcast where we watch movies, referenced in Scream. Tonight, we are watching Prom Night. Hey, Jackie. Hey, Luke. Uh, welcome back to the Horror Hut, everybody. As mentioned in that little Vincent Pricey intro, uh, yeah, we watched Prom Night, which came out in 1980.
1: Yep. So we've jumped ahead a couple decades from last time yep but still in uh in movie terms we're still like eons ago
0: <laughs> yeah i guess that's a good point i kind of forgot that we did um psycho which was what 1960 yeah so 20 full years after the hitchcock classic psycho uh, things have changed we have jamie lee curtis this time around yes we do that's pretty cool
1: Yep, who gets heavily referenced in Scream.
0: Yes, yeah, directly. Um, Yeah, so kind of a twofer on the. Well, Prom Night gets referenced a couple times, right?
1: Yes, it does. Yeah,
0: what's the relation to Scream for Prom Night?
1: Well, it's a very important one because the police are always off track with these things. If they'd watch Prom Night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect! Uh... (laughs) So, yeah, that's actually not the only reference in the movie, but right. uh, it's the obvious one. We've got Randy ranting in the video store about uh, Prom Night and how clearly all of the killings in Scream are movie-like, and you should be watching slasher movies to figure out what's going on. And, you know, he's not entirely wrong.
0: He's not. <clears throat> um, yeah, we'll get into it, but it's it was an interesting choice um or it was interesting to watch this one because of sort of how it mirrors scream in yeah. a lot of ways so we'll we can dig out into that in the review section of things uh but i guess um the so we don't really since we do the watches together mm-hmm. i can't really ask how your watch was so i guess for the horror hut how about we ask instead what's your relationship to prom night
1: I have done. I had never seen this movie before. Uh, I've been vaguely curious about it because of how much it gets referenced in Scream, and that's about it. Like I've I've come across references to it because I tend to read a lot of horror blogs and stuff. But um, yeah, I didn't really know that much about it going in. Uh, How about you?
0: Yeah, same. No relationship at all. Didn't know it existed outside of Scream. Just figured it's a classic. The they clearly have a lot of affection for in the movie mm-hmm. um yeah is there so you are a big fan of the horror queers podcast
1: yes which, the bloody disgusting uh, network podcast yeah
0: yeah uh, which is a great one so if, if you guys like kind of what we're doing and want a better version of it <laughs> <laughs> uh you can check out the horror queers but did they do an episode on proud night do you know have you listened to it
1: i think they have um, I know they've mentioned it in other episodes that I've listened to, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever listened to an episode on prom night. So yeah, I wasn't spoiled or anything. Cool. Um, I went in pretty, pretty uh, blank <clears throat> slate on this one.
0: Yeah, and it is kind of a whodunit. So, folks, if you Don't want 1980s prom night to be spoiled for you.
1: Only 43 years later.
0: 43 years later. um, Then maybe go watch it. It's Well, we were talking about this before we jumped on, but like every movie that we're going to do for this little podcast within a podcast is uh, at like an hour and a half bang on.
1: Oh, yeah. It's great.
0: Back when people... Even, like, my joke was if Hitchcock could do it with Psycho, you can do it with your movie. So... Like, it's nice that it's it's 93 minutes, I guess it's three minutes over an hour and <laughs> a half. But it's, like, super tasty and super doable, so. Yeah. Um, I guess we could talk about the fact that we watched it on Freebie.
1: Yes, uh, which has commercials. Not a ton of commercials. There weren't actually that many commercial breaks, which was nice, but it meant that You'd go long enough that I'd forget there were commercials. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly <laughs> it would very jarringly jump from like some scene in the 70s to like a, a Cerave ad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's me, your skin. It's me, your skin. Um, yeah, it's I kind of Sam and I have talked a lot about freebie freebie. Um, I've kind of come around to it. I hate that it makes watches longer. Sure. Um, but for something that's like an hour and a half, um, it's pretty it's yeah. It adds something to the experience, namely bone jarring ads, which are <laughs> at a different volume than everything else you've been watching up to that point.
1: Yeah. I noticed more for this one than usual freebie. Um because I've never in the past Really had a problem with Freebie's ads being a higher volume than the actual show I'm watching. They're usually pretty decently calibrated, I think. Um, but this one, it was definitely a lot louder than the movie. But I think that was more because the movie was quiet, because I had to turn up the volume.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Even with the soundbar in like movie mode, yeah. it had to be sort of cranked up a little bit. It was, yeah, I guess they didn't know how to normalize audio back in 1980.
1: Um, Yeah, or maybe they had, like, a different uh, standard for what it should be. Yeah. Who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows? But, uh, yeah, other than freebie, nothing interesting as far as the watch goes. Um, So, do you want to break down the plot of Prom Night, Jackie?
1: Sure, I'll give it a shot. Uh, Full disclosure, I had a little bit of trouble following early in this movie, uh, who people were. So, um, a lot of my description um, may be like a bunch of people are doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And they all look kind of the same. Because um, <laughs> the 70s fashion really throws me off. But, all right, the movie opens with a bunch of children. Uh, I guess they'd be around 12, uh, just given the timeline of this movie, because it's, say so. I think, six years before senior prom. So, We've got a group of children in an abandoned building, completely unsupervised, uh, playing, I guess, hide and seek. But it's uh, I don't this is not a game I ever played, but they're like pretending the seeker is a killer that is tracking people down. And then whoever they've found seems to also be a killer. Um,
0: I actually think that we did play this. Yeah. But we played it, I think, Zombies. No, so that
1: makes more sense. One of
0: you is a zombie and you go around collecting other zombies. It's like you bit, you bite them and then you, yeah, you slowly get a little posse going.
1: That makes a lot more sense than like, I've killed you. You are now a killer. A killer.
0: Yeah, I think they called it (laughs) zombies. I don't know. I could be totally fabricating that memory, but.
1: Whatever. It's there now. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, we've got these kids in a totally safe abandoned building. Um playing this uh one of the kids is like climbing on the outside of the building on the second story like yeah very safe unsupervised child play uh yeah
0: parenting in the 80s in the 19 in the year 1980 was great
1: (laughs) yeah uh but then we see three kids walking home from school presumably um including uh like, a boy and a girl who are wearing the exact same weird striped turtleneck, uh, which I clocked immediately and, like, predicted the entire movie based on their outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, and the this little girl, and then they have an older sister as well. Uh, or taller. I don't know. Probably no. the same age. I don't know.
0: Do you like, think the, the kids in the striped shirts are twins that's kind of the impression i got
1: i got twin vibes maybe just because they were dressed alike but i think they are a little bit younger as well uh and other things in the movie suggest that um that i'll get to later i think uh so anyway the younger girl in the striped turtleneck uh sees these kids playing in the house and goes to play with them Um, the older sister is like, whatever, I'm going home. Uh, and then the brother sticks around for a minute and is like, they don't want to play with you. And then the girl goes in anyway and kind of just starts wandering around the house. And you get the impression from looks these kids are shooting her as they see her that they don't like her. Uh, and then she kind of gets absorbed into this game in a mean bullying kind of way where they all start following her around shouting kill kill at her because kids are dumb
0: yeah kids are assholes
1: yeah uh and she's like freaking out and crying and they back her into a corner onto a windowsill and uh keep shouting at her and making her cry until she falls out the window to her death um and then they all look shocked at this development and immediately look at each other and all promise not to ever tell anyone because they don't want to get in trouble and go to jail
0: yeah remember that plot line in stranger things it was exactly (laughs) like this (laughs) where the kids accidentally killed another kid
1: and we're like yeah let's just move on let's
0: just pinky promise never to talk about this
1: yeah it is weird because it's got a kids on bikes it stranger things vibe in this opening scene but Usually those kids are, like, loyal friends and, mm-hmm. like, you root for them instead of them being little, like, let's just get away with not really murder. Like, it was an accident, um, but, like, come on, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for sure. So, anyway, uh, then we get a scene revealing that the adults immediate, especially the cops, because cops are useless... Uh, immediately jump to the completely arbitrary (laughs) conclusion that this child who's lying dead from falling out a window was attacked by a sex murderer and resisted. And that's why she's dead. Yeah, And we've already got a suspect. So they basically arrested the nearest sex offender based on nothing. A A child died. Therefore. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Um, and later in the movie, this kind of gets told out of order, so I'm going to jump around a little bit. But later in the movie, we find out that they start chasing this random sex offender that happens to live nearby uh, in a police chase. He gets into a car accident during the chase, catches on fire, and then ends up in an institution somewhere just completely covered in burns.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about it later, but cars in 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> seem pretty flammable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're they're big on flames. Mhm. So so then we basically just jump forward 6 years to the day of senior prom of these children. Yeah. And uh this is the point where I started trying really hard to puzzle together who's who because um most of them kind of look alike. Yeah. Uh and so we've got, there were four kids that cornered this poor girl. The, girl, the dead girl's name was Robin. Uh, and then the killers were, uh, I'm going to call them killers. It's an oversimplification I recognize. Uh, but they were playing a game called Killers. So we'll just go with that. Uh, Wendy, who's got the strongest mean girl vibes. Uh, Kelly, who is just kind of meek. And likes to wear pigtails as a little kid. And then we see her in pigtails later as a callback. Um, Jude, who mostly just seems vaguely confused. And Nick, who is the token boy in this group. uh, And actually seems kind of remorseful both back then and later. So we meet all of these kids plus the older sister of Robin, the victim, or Kim. Kim. God, all the names are so generic. Uh and her brother who was the kid in The Magic Turtleneck, Alex. Uh this took me like 40 minutes to figure out like who everyone is and what their names are. Yeah. And uh, mostly because Nick and Alex in particular look identical when they're older. They all ha- they both have that like 70s perm thing going.
0: Yeah, with the super curly hair. Yeah. And their faces look f- like Nick has a little bit sharper of a nose, but that's kind of about it. They yeah. look very similar. Their hair color is exactly the same.
1: And then we've got Drew, who's Kelly's date to the prom. I have
0: no idea who's dating who. Beyond um, like, beyond the core group, I, my memory is very hazy.
1: Well, he was just present long enough to confuse me. Yeah. The only male like high school character that does not confuse me is uh lou who we refer to almost exclusively as unibrow unibrow um, who definitely looks like he's on the wrong side of 35 and
0: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> he's not, got a mortgage he's worried about
1: <laughs> does not look like a high schooler
0: yeah. Um,
1: but yeah uh then we start introducing red herrings so red herring number one uh kim who is played by jamie lee curtis
0: a very and, young, Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: Yeah, uh, this is post Halloween, so she's already established. Oh, as is a, it? Yeah, okay. uh, I think Halloween was seventy eight. Okay. Um, so she's already kind of established as a stream, scream queen at this point. Uh, or this is her going from move star of a horror movie to scream queen, I guess. Um and. So she starts commenting that she doesn't trust like the school's groundskeeper, that she thinks he's a peeping Tom and he's kind of creepy. Yeah. And we get a lot of shots of that are clearly meant to be like, look at this creepy dude. He wears weird glasses and uses a chainsaw on the shrubbery. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we also get a bunch of scenes of the cops trying to track down ye old sex offender burn victim guy who apparently escaped and killed someone?
0: A nurse? A nurse? then they mentioned a convent later as well.
1: I, yeah, so I don't know. So maybe he killed
0: a nurse and a nun and he's working <laughs> on a weird joke. So I killed a nurse and a nun and a,
1: I guess. and a priest. This is just kind of happening in the background because like it is, at least to us, clearly a red herring. Oh, like, this yeah. Is, this is not... The cops are so clearly wrong on this. So Randy was right about that. The cops are always off track with this shit. Um, And we keep getting the actual thoughts of the cop who is like, he's he's killed before. He killed Robin. He's going to kill again. We have to find him. And it's wild to get this like noir style cop thought narration and know that like, no, (laughs) no, not not true
0: it is a funny idea like a sam spade movie where everything every word he (laughs) narrates is completely wrong (laughs) yeah it was
1: it was a bizarre kind of interlude between all of the prom drama that we're getting from the high schoolers uh so yeah we've got these red herrings kind of set up and then the grown up kids from the beginning start getting creepy phone calls from someone uh that are just kind of vague phone calls. Um, I think we should talk about that for ghost face reasons but like I don't really remember what he said but they were just kind of vaguely creepy. Yeah. Um, And then we see like people getting dates and uh, plotting against each other. Mean girl Wendy wants to play a prank on the prom queen for I guess stealing her boyfriend I think.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't that know. That makes more sense.
1: She seems jealous of the whole nick of it all. Mm. Um, so she teams up with Unibrow, who is just a creep and was creeping on Kim. And then uh, Alex, Kim's brother, punched him. And then, oh, and uh, the father of the siblings, both the dead girl from the beginning, Jamie Lee Curtis, and brother Alex. Uh, their father is the principal and played by Leslie Nielsen.
0: Yes. Who does remarkably little for being a name brand actor.
1: Yeah. Like I a
0: huge actor at the time.
1: I don't know. Was this early in his career? Like maybe no. he wasn't. Okay. I, I think
0: Airplane had already come out, right?
1: I don't know. I, maybe. I don't remember when that I don't know. Went.
0: He was a well-established comedic actor by this point. Okay. Well. Yeah. Because I'd put him in his like late 50s in this movie maybe. Is that accurate?
1: I don't know. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But yeah. So he's their dad. Uh. He's the principal of the school, and he suspends Unibrow for getting into a fight with his son, and is basically like, "Yeah, of course I'm siding with my son on this. Fuck off," <laughs> which was kind of funny. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So we've got like all of these these uh drama the high school dramas building uh oh we get jude um really wants a date to the prom and randomly gets picked up by a red flag uh a walking red flag farm who goes by slick i think his name is actually seymour
0: yeah his name is seymour this guy rolls up she's walking to school rolls up in a van like a like a krieger from archer style van. (laughs) yes And it's like, you need a ride, baby? And she's like, who are you? Like, she entertains him a lot more than I think most people would. <laughs> and he's like, well, people call me Slick in this way that clearly nobody calls him Slick. Yep. Anyway, yeah, he's a walking red fa- f- red flag factory, but we'll talk about him in more detail here in a second.
1: Yeah, so they, she uh, is all excited because she's going to go to prom with him. And she's like, I have a date. Um, and is excitedly telling her friends, and it is kind of adorable. Yeah. Um, and then we get uh, Kelly, who's dating Drew, I guess, and her drama is that she's thinking about letting him have sex with her on prom night, um, which I think Jamie Lee Curtis said something like sarcastic about, like, "Oh, that sounds fun," or like basically had kind of an appropriate reaction to the letting him part of it as like, that's not a great approach to yeah. it. Um, but was also very dismissive of it. Like, cool, have fun with that, I guess. Um, so that that plot line was not terribly interesting or elaborate. Um, but yeah, so we get all of these kind of separate plot lines. Uh, the most interesting one was definitely Mean Girl Wendy and Unibrow teaming up to play some kind of prank on the prom queen uh, because it's got very strong Carrie vibes. Yeah. Uh, which had come out a few years earlier, but it was also just such a boring prank in the end. Um, yeah,
0: the prank is basically that they knock Nick out <laughs> with a single slap. Yeah. <laughs> they just like really wail on him once. Down he goes, and then uh, they take the the prom king crown, and they're gonna put it on Unibrow, and then Unibrow's gonna walk out.
1: And I think the plan was probably to do the same with uh, Wendy taking over the queen slot, but like, mm, yeah, um, I it's it's just not a very creative or well thought out prank, but that fits the characters uh, that we see, so that's yeah. there. Um, it's not like the pig's blood that is at least original. Like yeah, it's a weird one. I've never understood that plotline in Carrie, uh, and we'll probably watch and talk about that. But yeah, uh, but yeah. So we've got all of these dramas building as we get toward prom night. Um, and oh, and uh, prom queen is Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, sister of the original child victim, and prom king is Nick, uh. And they actually seem to be a couple. And uh, he seems to feel really guilty about her sister's death. Because um, we see him like crying at the sight of her picture and having flashbacks about her death and stuff. So all of this builds and builds. And then we get actual prom night and a lot of dancing.
0: Um- <laughs> I was going to say, you can't get through the plot without mentioning mentioning the... Roughly 10-minute dance sequence. Yeah. Disco dance sequence.
1: Yes. There's so much disco in this movie. It was unexpected. I did not see that coming, I have to admit. <laughs> uh, I think we said they're still going, like, four times. Like,
0: four times. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jimmy Lee Curtis and Nick have this entire, like, choreographed dance routine that yeah, they do.
1: That I think is supposed to be, like spur of the moment unplanned, because it's not like the one that they do after they're announced as prom King and Queen. It's like they're doing it to try to make Unibrow and Wendy jealous. Yeah. So yeah. Um so we get this this uh whole dance, um, and then we start seeing the killer stalking and killing people. Uh and it's doing a lot of cutting back and forth. Um so the killer is going around in a sparkly ski mask. I don't know where you buy this thing. I don't
0: know either, but it did lead to me calling him Disco Face. Yeah,
1: so Disco Face. Um, and for a Scream connection, the sparkly black fabric the ski mask is made of looks kind of like the sparkly ba- black fabric that the ghost face robe is made of in Scream. So True. I'm, I'm not sure how that probably was deliberate um, or it could have been but I thought it was interesting. So Disco Face uh, is going around killing the original children that killed Robin. Uh, so uh, we get the... Uh, Kelly, who is who has changed her mind about wanting to have sex with her boyfriend, and he's an asshole about it. And as soon as the boyfriend leaves, she gets her throat slit in the boy's locker room. Um, And then we get... Uh, Jude off with Slick in a van. Yeah. Um, and they're, they do have sex. Uh, and she gets stabbed with a uh, foley that does not sound like someone getting stabbed. <laughs> um,
0: Good point. I hadn't <laughs> thought about that.
1: And then poor Slick uh, tries to take on the killer
0: with his van.
1: With the van? Like he's, he actually he does great. I'm like really proud of Slick in these moments, um, and then uh, has a kind of extended fight scene where he's driving around and the killer is like grappling with him in the driver's seat, and then ends up driving off of a small cliff, and the van catches fire like in midair, uh, because that happens, and poor Slick is no more. Yeah um and then we get uh an extended chase and death scene for mean girl wendy with an axe um so it is interesting there's a lot of changing up of murder weapons yeah uh i we i don't know where he got the axe he just kind of turned up with an axe all of a sudden
0: yeah what's it called hammer something
1: hammer space
0: hammer space he just pulls an axe out of hammer space
1: it's not even, like, a fire axe necessarily. Like, it, maybe it is. Maybe fire yeah. axes didn't have, like, the red on them like they do now. Maybe Could back be. then. I, mean, I don't know. It's too
0: big. It looks like a wood chopping axe. It
1: does look like a wood chopping axe. Maybe he stole it from the groundskeeper.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So there's a she gets chased through the part of the school where the prom isn't happening and then gets killed. Uh, and that's a pretty good... Uh, extended slasher movie kill. Um, And then he ends up going after the prom king, Nick, uh, who is the last of the original children and uh, does not realize that Unibrow has already knocked him out and replaced him. So he just full on decapitates Unibrow on the stage so that his head rolls out in the middle of prom. Yeah. Yeah everyone runs screaming and then uh, Jamie Lee Curtis wakes up Nick they try to run fight with the killer who's still in the disco face mask Um, and there's a whole struggle and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis ends up decking him in the face with the axe Mm -hmm. and then he staggers outside where the cops are and unmasks and dies and then we find out that it's her brother alex
0: yeah which you called immediately
1: i did as soon as i saw these kids in matching shirts and she goes in the building i was like okay she's gonna die and then he's gonna get revenge i it just i don't know why the matching shirts gave it away for me but that was a
0: i really i held on to hope that maybe it was leslie nielsen because like you're this huge actor and i just figured Dad getting revenge made as much sense as the brother, but you were absolutely right. It was the brother.
1: I think we were supposed to suspect him because we spent... And it would have made a lot of sense. I actually would have... I thought it would be more interesting if it was him. We spent more time watching him upset over his daughter's death Mm -hmm. than the brother.
0: Well, there's also a scene at prom where uh, Kim, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, goes, Has anybody seen my dad? Yeah. Which goes wholly unresolved because he just fucking disappeared. we never
1: see him again he's just (laughs) no longer around um and no one comments on the fact that alex who was supposed to be like handling the the crowns or something like he he had some kind of role he was the dj oh he was the dj but yeah i
0: think he was supposed to do the crowns as well
1: yeah because he was there for rehearsal of the uh king and queen procession Yeah. yeah um so yeah, uh, that reveal happens. The end, credits roll.
0: It immediately <laughs> ends. He's unmasked and dies and then roll credits. Yep. Which I pointed out that like genre fiction films in like the 70s and 80s didn't quite know how to end. So they all just sort of end, like the example I gave was Westworld, mm. but also like Logan's Run, um, that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know, if, you, if you're if you a fan of those, you know what I'm talking about, but the example from Westworld is that they have the big climactic fight, and then the guy goes out and sits on some steps, and a shit you not, there is a crane shot slowly zooming away from him that lasts about five minutes. <laughs> so it's supposed to make you think, man... Um, yeah, so this one just sort of slams into a brick wall at 70 miles an hour, and then credits roll. I
1: do, I do kind of appreciate that they didn't feel the need to give us like a long wrap-up where people react to True. it. Um, or a setup for a sequel yeah. like later slasher movies tend to do.
0: Um, oh, another good one is a movie we watched not that long ago, um, An American Werewolf in London.
1: Oh, yeah. Actually it, kind of a similar ending.
0: Yeah, he just dies and then it's immediately over.
1: Yeah. Just the the vibe is very similar. Cornered by cops, dies, done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we didn't quite know what we were doing with the genre at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was an excellent breakdown. Um, I guess the next question for you, Jackie, is what did you think of Prom Night?
1: I really liked it. I I have to say I'm... It's always a risk. I recognize that as like someone, uh, a millennial, and raised on like more current uh, pacing. Mm-hmm. I I have a tendency to get bored in these older films. Sometimes I never really got bored with this. I found I was looking up actors. I always do this. I spend a lot of time on IMDb. But I found myself having to wait for a a moment where things like weren't as interesting to do that instead of just being like i can constantly be on my phone during this movie you know so yeah um it was i thought even though it was not over it was over an hour before we got like a slasher kill
0: yeah uh which this movie again is only an hour and a half yeah so they do they cram like at one point we paused the movie in like they were pre-a-couple slasher deaths, important ones. Yeah. And they had, like, 12 minutes left. you're yeah. like, <laughs> how are they going to do this in 12 minutes?
1: Yep. Uh, but they did. Um, so, yeah, I thought I was really <laughs> I was really impressed. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it was really cool to watch it, like, how it kind of sits in its stage of the slasher era. Mm-hmm. Like... It, it was interesting um seeing an, a fairly early slasher uh,
0: yeah and you cool. pointed out that this one is um it's more it's almost a who done it or who's doing it yeah if we can invent a new genre who doing <laughs> who's, it
1: who doing it uh,
0: <laughs> so who donut um yeah because a lot of slasher movies before this like if Halloween came out before this yep that one's pretty bang straight ahead you know who the slasher is. Um Nightmare on Elm Street same thing. I think Nightmare on Elm Street came out in like 83 or 84. Yeah, I
1: think Yeah, I think that was later. I I want to say we that. there was a Friday the 13th already by this point that was kind of who done it? Yeah, maybe um,
0: Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Yeah. Clearly I need to look up these dates, but Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, who done it's are not typical for slashers necessarily. For sure. Uh which was kind of what made Scream interesting uh, and unique. One of the many things that makes Scream interesting and unique. Um, But I do think that some of what makes Scream interesting and unique compared to like this one is it's a really good whodunit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This one, like Sherlock Holmes, Hercule no one would have a problem with this
0: one <laughs> no hercule Poirot would have nailed this one right out of the gate yeah. benoit Blanc, benoit Blanc
1: would have <laughs> walked in and been like oh Clearly it's that it's guy.
0: the brother he's getting revenge on everybody that killed his poor sister
1: yep uh well especially because we were shown who killed the sister like what happened to the sister if yeah. we hadn't been shown that like the cops didn't know that in fairness um, they were still idiots because they jumped to some really dumb conclusions.
0: Immediately like, jumped to some crazy conclusions.
1: Uh, but like with the information we had, this was not challenging. No. So.
0: Yeah. Pretty, like it, it could have. I,
1: I had some hope at one point that it might be the brother and the father working together.
0: Ooh. I
1: think that would have been really interesting.
0: That would have been really cool. Um,
1: But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a huge challenge necessarily. uh, But.
0: Yeah, I think maybe it was. Yeah. Which is not
1: necessarily a fault in the movie. Like, that wasn't the main thing this movie is trying to do.
0: No, it's a slasher flick. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I do think, given the context of how it's referenced in Scream with Randy being like, everyone's a suspect. Yeah. I kind of expected more variability and. Who it might be, but, yeah, it's kind of like they'd chuck out a red herring and it stank like fish. Like, yes. <laughs> immediately you'd be like, no, nah, that's a red herring. Yeah. Um,
1: and also, there were a lot of characters that were not suspects. Like, it was yeah. pretty clearly a dude. Uh, and many of the main characters were female. Right. Like, and this did not have the vibe of a movie like uh, Psycho where that was going to be, like, part of the twist. It was, like... yeah. Um, so there, we'd already ruled out like half the cat, more than half the cast. And then, uh, we see like people in places while the killer's doing things. So we get alibis for a lot of the characters. And like, also there's like the red herring of, uh, the sex offender and the red herring of the groundskeeper. groundskeeper, like if it were the groundskeeper, why would you have shown us this little girl's death? Like yeah. that that would have been a very weird twist to have completely unrelated. Well also,
0: murder. you pointed out that the reason this one's so obvious is because the motive is really obvious. Yes. Um, because the groundskeeper, as you're saying, has no motive to kill the people that were on site when this little girl had this accident and died. No, none Neither whatsoever. Does, why would the serial killer, sex offender guy, burn victim? Like, why would he do the same? Like, why like, would he I, go after the witnesses?
1: I guess it could be, like, revenge for getting him Accused?
0: That makes sense.
1: Kind of, but like he'd have to know. And he had no reason to be aware of like what actually happened. He wasn't there.
0: Well, the other thing too is that they make very little use of these red herrings. They kind of chuck them out. That's why I like my fish metaphor. Yeah. They just like throw them out on stage and they go, look at it. (laughs) And then they don't really do anything plot wise with it.
1: Yeah. I wonder if the purpose of the uh, like burn victim plotline is. Was less a red herring for the audience and more just an excuse for the police to be more useless than they mm. might otherwise be, because they're really distracted by like trying to track this trying guy to
0: do down. the manhunt. Yeah, which was funny because the this guy that they're trying to track down is in a beat up old Volkswagen Beetle, <laughs> and we were cracking up because around the same time period, people were looking for a little yellow Volkswagen Beetle. Um,
1: yeah, it was more beige
0: beige um
1: i literally worked in the building where we had ted bundy's volkswagen <laughs> i walked past it every day uh for a couple of years there i used to work in the national museum of crime and punishment which changed its name to the crime museum uh and they had ted bundy's car in the lobby so yeah yeah uh, it was really funny when the, they had the line of, like, how hard can it be to find a beat-up Volkswagen?
0: <laughs> we were like, good fucking luck, man. Yeah. <laughs> it took him disturbingly long to find Ted Bundy, so.
1: Yep. Classic embarrassment. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I, th- I think I would echo a lot of what you said. Um, I did like this movie. It was very fun. Mm-hmm. And it was cool to see sort of a proto-scream. Because it has a lot of the same vibe, just without the meta ness
1: mm-hmm. of
0: Scream. Yeah, and um, that it is kind of a whodunit, and there's slasher elements going on, and there's a lot of characters. Um, the pacing did knock me out a little bit mm-hmm. of this movie because um, it's very slow in the beginning, and it's not like a lot's happening. Um, it's kind of the it's problem. True. Like in Scream, it also takes a long time before people start. Well, no there's the first 10 minutes yes so the first 10 minutes happen and then no nope, i take it back screams pretty quick because then gets attacked. Moves. yeah um yeah. but it makes sense that you know in horror movies sometimes you need a lot of exposition like hereditary is a good example like it takes a long time yeah before the there's, big moment happens
1: build up is is good yeah um
0: But taking, like, a 10-minute break to do a disco dance (laughs) uh, at prom. That
1: was just funny. It
0: was pretty funny. Um, Yeah, so it didn't ruin it for me at all. I still had a great time with this movie, but there were, the pacing is just so dramatically different. It's like watching Jaws. Like, if you haven't watched Jaws recently, Mm -hmm. you can go back and watch it. Like, it's a great movie, but the pacing is just clearly made for a different audience. Yeah a pre uh like internet era uh audience so it just moves a lot slower
1: you know the more i think about it because i was sitting there (laughs) being impressed that i wasn't bored i think a big part of the reason that i wasn't bored during this that like early exposition build-up stage of this movie was that I had assigned myself the puzzle of figuring out who everyone was. Yeah. (laughs) And it took me that long to figure it out. So by the time I had like, okay, I know who everyone is uh, and how they all fit together. By the time I got that puzzle together, um, things had started moving. I think if we watched this again, knowing who everyone was, I would probably also be getting bored during that phase. Yeah.
0: I don't know that I was bored Um, but it, it was just something I noticed, which is not great. If you notice like, oh man, the pacing on this is pretty slow. Um, but I do want to talk about the fact that everybody's the same. Um, because I think the big problem is that like Nick and Alex look very similar, Mm -hmm. but also there's no differentiating them in the plot really. Um, like unless you know that Alex was the other kid in the turtleneck, the striped turtleneck, it is... He he's hard to distinguish from Nick. Yes. Because they both interact with Jamie Lee Curtis a lot. They're both around her a lot. Yes. And it's pretty hard to tell who's who. The exception to all this is fucking Slick.
1: Oh yeah. And yeah. Unibrow.
0: But and Unibrow. But I the, Slick is really distinctive. Slick
1: is very distinctive.
0: Yeah, I Slick is my favorite character um in this movie. Because we talked about this. Like he shows up in his Weird, uh, like, sexual dungeon van. Yeah. And then, uh, but then Jude, is it Jude? Jude, yeah. Jude proceeds to, like, have kind of a great little relationship with them. Like,
1: They're kind of adorable. They are kind I, of adorable. I was rooting for them, even knowing they, they were doomed. But
0: Yeah, I mean, they were super doomed. But, like, Slick tries very hard to be cool and suave. Mm-hmm. But it's very clear that, because he's sort of like a portlier uh kid and Mm -hmm. he's um yeah he's just got a real like he's almost in a different movie like he's kind of just got like if you've slotted him into super bad as a character he would make a lot of sense uh but he's not an asshole like he's really kind of endearing and he's really sweet to jude like when they're they have sex and then later he's like how was that for you and she's like it was great and he's like me too and like they have a little and
1: he admits it was his first time kind of and they're it's it's very sweet yeah and then when they're um fooling around outside and they hear a twig snap because there's a killer in the woods uh it's a nice little flipped gender trope yeah uh because it's slick that goes what was that is there someone here?
0: We should go back to the van. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, like, even when they're making out, like, she's the one on top, which I thought was really interesting. Like That's true. Yeah. The power dynamic is clearly, like, Slick is just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And Jude's kind of leading the show, which was really cool. Um, Slick also has a history textbook that he's carved out, and it contains roughly 50 joints. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's ready.
0: He's down um which i just adored and then uh it was a shame when his van leapt off the cliff and then immediately burst into flames
1: (laughs) spontaneous van (laughs)
0: combustion (laughs) that sucked but yeah slick was super cool uh and easy to distinguish from all the other people involved Mm -hmm. um yeah i just want to know what slick's parents thought when he was like i want a van (laughs) because like unibrow drives around like a beat-up muscle car which fits him perfectly yeah um but yeah slick was like i want a (laughs) van um yeah so i guess there's a new segment i want to do okay because i feel like it's going to be a trope in these movies uh which is did we see boobs did Ah. we have gratuitous nudity for no reason yes yes we did yes we did
1: uh kelly like Mm -hmm. immediately between Uh, deciding she doesn't want to have sex with her asshole boyfriend.
0: Yeah, who's a real dick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Big time pressuring her. uh, And immediately before she gets killed, uh, Mm -hmm. we see boobs completely unnecessarily. Yep. uh, Which I guess if we're going with scream rules and applying scream rules, uh, like... She doesn't have sex, so no. she shouldn't die.
0: No, that's true. Randy would be very upset because, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, but we do see boobs, which I guess is enough.
0: I guess that's good that enough. At that point.
1: I don't know. Um,
0: yeah, whereas like Slick and Jude are classic horror movie rules. Yes. Because they literally just lost their virginities.
1: And did drugs.
0: And did drugs. Yeah, so they're gonzo. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, what's her name with Drew? You just said it. Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, definitely a virgin. No drugs were consumed. Yeah. Um,
1: she just took off her shirt in front of a boy.
0: Yeah. So she
1: deserves to die, so I So down
0: guess. she goes. Yeah, definitely disappointing, uh, but we'll keep an eye on it, folks. And she
1: didn't say, I'll be right back, so...
0: <laughs> I'll be right
1: back! <laughs> uh, yeah, too bad. But yeah, that that is... I don't think we see Jute's boobs or anything right no nope. um, i
0: think that was that uh yeah. it's just weird because you gotta at this point in horror movie like in history for some reason they just felt the need to chuck in some boobs uh, yep. pretty randomly and this one's no exception so we'll keep an eye on it and report back um, yep. as this trend evolves because i don't know maybe we'll be moving slowly through moving forward we haven't we haven't planned our, what movies yeah i don't we're think we're going in order. <laughs> um
1: yeah but but yeah it's it is pretty gratuitous yeah like, oh for sure yeah it is and it's jarring at that point It yes. it kind of took me out of the movie because i was like why are we getting her topless like this doesn't have any real no purpose
0: nope um, totally gratuitous so. Um, but the other question I have is, which was your favorite kill? We didn't really get to do this with Psycho, because there's kind of just two murders, and one That's of them is not very entertaining. But this one's a true slasher flick, and that we've got, what, four deaths to work with?
1: Uh, we got the kid in the beginning, which mm-hmm. would be definitely not my favorite, but like there's yeah. a death that we get on screen. Um, We've got uh kelly getting her throat slit we've got jude getting stabbed slick blowing up uh unibrow getting, getting his head his chopped, head chopped off. off and uh wendy um how did she die i <laughs> actually blank oh
0: yeah well, they have the big chase.
1: Yeah, I remember so much about the chase. I and mean, then,
0: okay, so she just gets axed because she sees the body of Kelly. Yeah. That's been stashed in a storage closet. Okay, yeah. Um, and then she has a big scream, and we don't see it, but we, you know, the ax swings down. Yeah. And it's assumed sense. that she's toast.
1: Okay. Um. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to go with uh Lou... With an axe on the prom stage mm, uh, is okay. my my favorite kill because uh, it was. Very satisfying because he was an asshole and I wanted him to die. And also it was kind of funny that the killer was killing the wrong person. Yeah. Um, but also you get a single swing decapitation with a flying head and then it lands <laughs> in front of everybody between a bunch of disco lights. Like that That's was great. pretty good. That was great. Seizure inducing, but great.
0: Yeah. Seizure warning on this one, folks. There's a lot of flashing lights like at the uh, hour 15 mark or something mm-hmm. like that. Um yeah, really pretty nauseating stuff. Yeah. Um
1: how about you, favorite kill?
0: It's gotta be slick blown up. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed out loud the minute <laughs> it happened. Because folks, he takes off the cliff and then no joke, it's like almost immediately the van is on fire. <laughs> they were trying to time it, I think, with when it first smacks the side of the cliff and then eventually or maybe when it hits the bottom or something. But Maybe. I think they had one van and one try at this <laughs> because it just burst into flames and not like a little bit. No, it's engulfed. It's engulfed <laughs> immediately. So I don't know if Slick like lined the van with like something with turpentine and <laughs> curtains or something, yeah. um, which would be really stupid considering he's smoking a lot of joints yeah. in there.
1: Bad idea. Don't do that.
0: Don't do that. Yeah, it was uh, really funny and uh since slick was my favorite character i just like that he got a little bit of a little bit of action going on with the the attempt with the kill and
1: driving
0: around in the van and he
1: i think like if this weren't a slasher movie like he could have had a good shot of saving the day and taking out the killer yeah um he almost ran him down it was great yeah
0: like the killer is okay so killer stabs jude which was not a very cool kill. No. She kind of just gets got.
1: Yeah, it was kind of sudden and quick. And-
0: yeah. Um, but he sees this and doesn't panic.
1: He does scream no, which was also kind of sweet. Like, yeah, like you just killed the girl. I like, like, I don't know. Yeah.
0: No, for sure. Slick's a good dude. And yeah. then the uh, old Seymour, and he jumps into the driver's seat. And instead of like just peeling off and driving away. He tries to back up into the killer, which is like galaxy brain thinking.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, It doesn't end well for him, but it was a good attempt. So, yeah, it was a good one. The other thing I was going to mention about this movie is that it's Canadian as hell.
1: (laughs) It's very Canadian.
0: Um, Because it's set in Ohio, but uh, Ohio is in air quotes. Um, and my favorite, there's just a bunch of Canadians running around, including Leslie Nielsen. Um, but my favorite moment is that Unibrow has a best friend (laughs) or a friend. I don't know if he's got best friends who says nothing. Fellow thug. Fellow thug. Thug number one says nothing for most of the movie. He just kind of hangs around in denim. Mm -hmm. And then at one point, um, they're going over the plan, the hilarious prank they're going to pull by knocking out Nick. Yeah. Um, and the guy actually says some stuff, but he sounds like... So Unibrow's like, all right, so we're going to do this. And the guy goes, yeah, so I'm going to go over there and tick out Nick, eh? <laughs> and you're like, yes. <laughs> this is the most Canadian man to ever live.
1: <laughs> in fairness, I think they don't, like, make a big deal of it being in Ohio. It's just, like, license plates. Yeah, just
0: license plates all over the joint. Um, but, yeah, it really cracked me up that uh, every now and then someone will say a sorry... Yeah. Or, like, uh, I think Seymour at some point, when they're on the blanket near the bluff, he says something about, there's someone out there. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, Seymour, <laughs> you're an Ohio native. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say about prom night?
1: Um, well, I want to address Randy's uh, discussion of prom night and the fact that if the cops watched prom night, they'd save time. Yeah. Um, I think... I think he is partially right in okay. that the cops do, in Scream, the cops spend a lot of time looking for, like, Sydney's dad. I think that might be what Randy's talking about in that moment. Um, just like the cops in prom night are looking for this random sex offender they decided to frame. Right. And uh, that is definitely off track and they should be looking closer to, like, the friend group. But the statement, everybody's a suspect, is... Um, is and it's a simple formula does not carry over well to scream because uh it is like prom night it's a clear motive and that that is the clear connection yeah but uh scream not so much they make a big deal of scream being like the motives are not there or clear or direct so
0: Yeah, I mean, we were even talking about this because Billy Loomis is sort of the mastermind behind Mm -hmm. the plot. I mean, he's the one that has motive, such as it is, which you described as... um, uh, So basically, his parents broke up because his dad slept with Sydney's mom, right? Yep. (laughs) And that's kind of his whole deal behind murdering Sydney's mom. It's a
1: shitty motive, which is the point. Like, that is not at all taking away from Scream's brilliance, that's part of the point, is that, yeah. like, this is a really dumb motive to kill a bunch of kids.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then, on top of that, Stu's motive is <laughs> basically just, like, homoerotic peer pressure.
1: That's what he says! He says <laughs> peer pressure! I'm yeah. far too sensitive.
0: Yeah, so he just kind of gets peer pressured into becoming a serial killer. um, Which is really cool, like... Yeah. I don't know. I did want to contrast this with Scream really quick um, because I do think Scream, not that it's a competition, but I think Scream as like we talked about this. I think in the last episode about Psycho, but my whole theory about how media like progresses and evolves, yeah, and how things are still classics and they should be, um, but like I think Scream takes this formula and does something way more interesting with it. Yes,
1: it very much improved on it. I thought.
0: Yeah, and I would think that. These are sort of... There's a direct through line between Scream and Prom Night, I think. Unlike Scream and, say, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. There's There's connection, like, connective tissue between those movies, but, like, this one's like a clear evolutionary point.
1: This may be the most Scream-like, non-Scream movie I've seen. Yes. Like, or at least most Scream-like, pre-Scream movie I've seen, because there were a lot of copycats. True. But, like... The fact that we have, um like, the threatening phone calls and the group of teenage friends getting killed by someone who is also a teenager in yeah. a mask, in a sparkly mask, in disco face, <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's it's definitely like there is a clear heritage here, and that's mm-hmm. really interesting.
0: Yeah, it is. It's super cool. Um. Yeah, I just definitely think Scream nails the pace better. And then obviously the meta aspect of Scream was so unique to that movie that uh, you can't, you know, Prime Night really can't compete with that level of things uh, Mm -hmm. because it was sort of, you know, still in that progenitor era of horror movies where we were figuring stuff out. And yeah, that's why Scream references it. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I would like to just really quickly talk about Jamie Lee Curtis's presence in this movie. Uh, Absolutely. Because scream makes a big deal of that. Um, and they, because Randy discusses Jamie Lee Curtis is always being the virgin in horror movies until like, what was it? Until trading places when she finally shows her boobs scream, mm. scream, scream spends a lot of time talking about boobs as well.
0: Yeah. Um, which is why we're going to keep an eye on boobs. Yep. Um.
1: Uh, but but yeah um it was interesting because she was never an intended victim in this movie mm-hmm. and so it was cool to see a, sh- a change in the usual formula cuz usually the uh the virgin the survivor girl the whatever you want to call her the final girl final girl um, of a slasher movie is the if not uh, the main target of the killer Uh, is at least one of the targets of the killer. Right. And so she finds strength in fighting off the person that's killing all of her friends. In this case, Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of just protecting her boyfriend that the killer is trying to kill. Uh, And I thought that was really really unique and interesting um, take on that trope and kind of cool. And to have Jamie Lee Curtis, who is a classic final girl, from the Halloween movies yeah. uh, take on this role of kind of the bystander final girl. Like she's she is a witness who's stepping in yeah, uh, and doesn't even know her own connection to the killer until it's too late.
0: Until it's too late, which is a really interesting dynamic that she's the one that does in her brother. Yeah. Um, and that's like a whole, it's going to really sting. Like that's a whole thing she's going to have to deal with. Yeah. Um, yeah. In saving her boyfriend, Nick which it's a high school romance you wonder like i don't know if that's gonna last and she killed her brother over it so i don't know yeah (laughs) and he kind of
1: had a part in her sister's death yeah that's that's a lot to take into a relationship
0: (laughs) for sure so yeah good luck with that one jamie lee curtis but yeah it was a cool little twist on sort of um her position in horror movies as it usually is yeah Well, I guess we can wrap it up.
1: Yeah, do you have a final quote for this one?
0: I do. Uh, Well, before we get to that, um, what do you want to watch next week?
1: Oh, that's a good question. We really
0: got to start figuring that out before we we hit the old record button.
1: I mean, if we want to continue our trend of movies that we mentioned in the previous episode, we could watch Carrie.
0: Could watch Carrie. Stick with the
1: prime theme. <laughs>
0: Carrie is mentioned in Scream, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Oh, it's on our list, definitely.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, fuck it. Let's do Carrie. All right. Next week, we'll be watching Carrie folks taking a dive into Stephen King's universe. Excellent. Uh, yeah, so we'll be doing that. Uh, yeah, my final quote is on a poster um, <laughs> in the girl's locker room, and it is, Thanks for everything, milk. <laughs> <laughs> so... We'll see y'all next week. Thanks for listening to Horror Hut.